Die bundesweite Artist Labs sind eine Maßnahme des Fonds darstellende Künste, finanziert aus den Mitteln der Beauftragten der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Rahmen der Neustadtkultur. Welcome to Repräsentanz. I'm very happy and very glad that you made it here today. Um, I would like to introduce you. Let's start with Monique Smith McDowell uh, from London, England, BA from London Contemporary Dance School, worked with Barbican Theatre, Robin Howard Theatre, Barack Marshall Dance Theatre, Richard Alston Company, worked with renowned choreographers such as Jerry Killian, Merce Cunningham, and Hamburg based Ursina Tosi. 2014, where your timelines collide, both of you moved to Germany, you started working in The Lion King and Cats. Since 2016, you are a rehearsal director and dancer from the Sticky Trace Company, um, which, side notes, does special workshops for youths, helping them dealing with problems through art and dance. I love that. 2021, you were co-choreographer from Tanz Nord, and you are also a Pilates instructor, choreographed for the Contemporary Dance School Hamburg. And since 2022, you do audio descriptions, making dance and art more accessible. In June 2003, you did your K3 Dance Residency Limited Edition called In the Black, Asking how stereotypes and discrimination affect developing beings. How does the mind develop of those who constantly feel like outsiders and not seen in a Western world? You are allowing the audience to witness an empowerment and a loud cry in the black. I love that, and I sadly didn't get to see this piece, but I am sure uh, you could fill us in a little bit. Yes, definitely. I mean, when you say all of that like that, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> it, it, it is a lot. It is. It is. I'm like, when I read through uh, both of your CVs, I was like, who am I? <laughs> but let me just jump over to Kellen Whitmore, Rockford, Illinois. Schooling, Rockford Dance Company and Joffrey Ballet School, Interlock and Arts Academy, Michigan, St. Mary's College, LEAP Program, Bachelor's in Arts with the Dean's Professional Student Award. Can't leave that out. <laughs> 2001, for five years, you were with Kansas City Ballet, did works from George Balanchine, Jerome Robinson, Nacho Duarto, just to name a few. 2002, you did your first choreography for for tango with the Kansas City Ballet. 2016, Susan Farrell Ballet, 20, oh, sorry, 2006, Susan Farrell Ballet, Alonzo Lines Ballet, Lines Ballet Education Program, and 2014, you became soloist here in Tanztheater Münster. And since 2022, you have been the coordinator for diversity and dance mediator, mediator, one of your first choreographies here in Germany was April 2023 from Orpheus, no, 
your latest, sorry, mm-hmm. Orpheus Game Over for the Theater Jugendorchester and Junges Theater, Theater Münster. I'm like, should I speak German or English? <laughs> <laughs> What is this name? <laughs> A choreography that has, uh, that stood out to me was uh, Who's Light the Sun from Open Space Dance Company in Vancouver. So both of you are very international, worked internationally, and I think that brings definitely a lot of different perspectives and experiences with. Uh, you have also taught in many universities, such as Uni- Universität Münster, Volkwagen, Stanford University, University of Alabama, Cape Academy of Performing Arts, and so on and so forth. Both of you, that, that is <coughs> a mouthful. Quite a mouthful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting to hear all of that, yeah. <laughs> like rewinding, going back. I mean, years. this isn't yeah. even everything. Yeah. Uh, I just picked a few things, but I'm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel very privileged to have this conversation with you today. I feel very honored also to sit here with both of you. Yep. So thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, I would like to go back to the starting point in 2014 where both of you um, came to Germany. And I'd like to know what some of your first impressions were moving uh, here, working in a different language, not necessarily English, um, although we speak a lot of English in theaters, and um, in this predominantly white society that we're in. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, actually, for me, I moved to Germany and landed straight in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved <coughs> to Germany to do Lion King. And my reality was totally twarped. I, for the first time, worked with a large group of black people um, or yeah, people of color. I never had this environment where there were, like, we were the majority. I always had a space where I was the minority and probably the only one. Um, so in that way, I was like, very excited I felt very at home I felt culturally at home like everyone understood me even though we were from so many different places mm-hmm. um that in that moment I really loved what Germany stood for um it didn't stand for a country where I was a minority it stood for a place where I could work in a job and be the majority um and then that rea- reality maybe twisted a little bit over time where I realized, okay, my outside life is probably not reflecting what my work life is. For me, it was um, very interesting moving to Germany and beginning working in a theater where, first of all, a theater, because um, to the main, one of the main reasons why I wanted to live in Europe was I wanted to experience what it was like to work in a theater that was subsidized. Mm-hmm. In the States, <clears throat> we have to Uh, raise our own money. And so the the way the culture of companies is much different. Um, and so I just wanted to, to get a feeling for what that was like. And so once I finally arrived here and I, you know, start to mingle and intermix with a lot of different people, um, a lot of the conversations were about like me being an American as opposed to me being black. And that was very interesting because usually the first thing is about you, my blackness or our blackness. And so that was, I sort of felt a bit privileged with that idea. But then at the same time, the conversation sort of stayed on that level. Um, And then once we did get into what, what things were like as a black person, it started to, 
uh, open up a little bit more of like, okay, what is this dynamic really between me and these <laughs> foreigners? Um, which was which was welcome at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of started feeling a bit like an ambassador for America yep. and for <laughs> black people, um, you know. Um, and it was interesting also because everyone has an opinion about a lot of things and especially about politics in America. And I uh, found this uh, duality sort of starting of like, yeah, I agree with them, but I also started to defend mm-hmm. America because I thought to myself, wait a minute, I can talk badly about, yeah, yeah. you know, America, but you can't, you don't, you, you've not been there, you know, and so what right do you have? And so that I found that very interesting and I was very, I was sort of conflicted with that, you know, because, because of, yeah, that feeling, it was very, very weird and very interesting, but um, yeah, that's sort of the first starting point when I first got here, so. I'm going to jump straight to 2022 um, with the BLM George Floyd murder. Uh, I feel like in Germany, that was a a big awakening. Um, Also just for myself and kind of putting a name to what has been happening that from my bubble uh, and now experiencing in in real life, because uh, around that time I transitioned from working in a theater to freelance and a lot of things has be, have become more clear and I have grown uh, a vocabulary of what has been happening. Were there any special um, things that you realized reflecting on your time in Germany that, okay, the, these, this wasn't okay, it, where you're, back then you would just shake it off as in like, yeah, that's, that's how the work is done? I think there was... Like, there's always been a constant timeline of things happening that I thought were not okay. I think after, like, the, let's say, the heightened moment of the Black Lives Matter movement, I felt that then I was able to speak openly about it a bit Mm. more. So there were, like, a lot of things that happened. Like, I remember with an ex-boyfriend, we went to see an apartment together, and I had ridden this lady the whole time trying to get the viewing appointment, and then when we turned up, she didn't look at me. She didn't speak to me. She only spoke to my ex-boyfriend, who was white at the time. And, like, in this moment, I just stayed mute. Like, I also didn't feel like I had a voice and couldn't really say anything. And then afterwards, when these kind of things started to happen, I very quickly called them out straight away. Also because I, especially in Hamburg, I had the feeling there was so much support from, like, people that also were not black, you know, or also not uh, people of color, black, brown, um there was so much support from the outside and not a support that was like trying to stamp on a voice, but a support that was really like saying, I'm ready to listen to your voice. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I think now I can openly say like, okay, this is what I want to say and I'm going to say it unapologetically. And yes, maybe you're going to be annoyed about it afterwards, but it's okay. You know, like if I don't make you feel uncomfortable, I'm always kind of like giving you the space to be as comfortable as you want and as rude as you want that somehow... I'm the person that's now feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. rather than sitting in my comfortability. Wow. Um, For me, it was, it was a huge turning point um, that I'm still um, navigating um, at the moment. Um, What was most interesting was um, because I'm, I'm living in Munster was a, which is a a rather small um, city, not terribly small, but smaller than a lot of major cities. And what I, what happened in the city days after George Floyd was murdered was that the city kept living 
its life normally, and that was um, really difficult to see. Um, and eventually, we did have a protest, and it was really well um, attended. Um, and at that moment, that was when things started to open up, and I started to feel a little bit more. Uh, I felt more. Re- I related more to other minorities um, in in Munster because at that protest, only people who had um, experienced racism were able to speak, were allowed to speak, or spoke, I should say, um, and to hear their stories and the similarities that um, I also experienced. Um, raised a lot of awareness of like the microaggressions and and opened my eyes to and sort of a veil was lifted from my eyes um, as as far as like what really is this racism or these these covert racist um, moments you know in life and so this was this was something that was it made it easier to pinpoint what really, you know, because not everything is so blatant as, you know, being murdered, (laughs) you know? Um, So that was, that was really, really huge. um, Yeah. For me. And translating that onto like the professional setting, was there more of a, an awareness within the theaters that you were at or did something change? Were people all of a sudden more empathetic? Um. Sorry, you can come no, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I, what was really also interesting because I was, I think for m- the majority of my career at Teatro Munster, um, the only black artist in, in the, on the roster. And um, yeah, I spoke up. I said, what's going on? You know, many organizations, especially arts organizations are speaking out and the theater hasn't said anything. Yeah. Um, and so they finally did say something, but it was in a very general sort of way. And this was enough. I, I thank them for that because then it actually showed me who they really were and where their priorities lie. Mm-hmm. Because when there was something that was that they stood up for, they really said it, yeah. you know. And for this, they didn't really want to say it. And I, um, I didn't necessarily need to do any more fighting. I didn't feel like I needed to because I was, I was at that point I was too exhausted. I was too in shock still. And so I, I think that was, that was enough for that sort of exchange, but that was really, really sort of eye opening. And now it's, it's much different um, under the new um, direction. And the question now is, how authentic really can that be and how um, performative is it, Mm -hmm. you know, and how, because now it's a trend, you know, to think about how we can engage people of color, um, more women. And this is really, really wonderful, but with trends, they, they come and go and this needs to stay. Um, These ideas of how we engage and how we um, facilitate more diverse voices um, in leadership and 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 telling these stories, um, I think that's really really important. So that's the question of how what's going to what's going to happen when we move forward. Mm-hmm. Is it really going to be authentic, or are we just doing it for the photo op? You know. Um. Yeah, I can also like definitely second that. I think from my perspective, there's a difference between like private and institutional establishments that are in the free scene and not in the free scene. Mm-hmm. Um. 
I have the feeling it's a bit more genuine from the free scene. Like there's always this desire to learn and better what is put out there. Um, and that there is this genuine interest to want to give this space to voices that are generally not heard as often. Um, from the private sector of performing arts, I have the feeling it was very performative. Mm. It was very much like the same. I think on many other topics, they like stood on the forefront um, and made it very clear where they stand on the point. And with that, I also had the feeling it took like way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became a thing of oh we should probably do something because you know everyone else is doing something mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. don't want to look like the people that aren't doing anything right. so um, yeah and I think then in that like in retrospect of that some of the things that were intended to be put in place are still not actively in place um, it's always like an ongoing discussion Whereas I think with many other topics, like when it's desired, it's there within a few weeks already and very clearly like implemented. Um, so yeah, I think that's very much the difference. Like I noticed in the free scene, there's really a big change happening and there is like a lot of um, like artists from black, brown, indigenous people um, and also the funding bodies are willing to like support that and um, also make extra calls for that. Like we want to hear your voice and we want to give you the space that we know has not been filled with your voice for a long time. Keelan, shortly after you became uh, the director of diversity, how did how did that feel to you? And what what was some of what are some of your goals um, with this position? When I um, took on the role of coordinator of community outreach and diversity, I it, it sort of it sort of was just a, more so a culmination of what's already been happening. Mm-hmm. But I was able to like be more aware that that was what my life has been, uh, the direction my life has been going. Um, the idea for community outreach, I mean, that's nothing new to Americans because we have to you know, we have to fundraise. Mm-hmm. Fundraising is something that is just in our in our DNA and and the artists also are a part of that function of the company. Um so I, I know from my experience what it's like to represent um an establishment um and to try to engage, you know, uh, different stakeholders in that and that for me is actually exciting because they come in support and the audience the public they will come and support and then to have the conversation about what they've seen on stage um, is something very interesting as far as like the artwork itself and so then some of my ideas or some of my goals um, are like how can we think of the diverse stories that need to be told that can act as sort of like a history lesson <laughs> which is much needed um, to engage the public mm-hmm. you know to get more people of color to get more people in general into the theater um, or into into the audience, and then what are we saying once they are there, and how can they relate, and how can we then help um, transform their lives, you know, to to experience something beautiful or to experience something that makes them go and think, or to experience something that will perhaps make them change or allow them or facilitate some change in their lives. That to me is really really exciting because. Um, that's what I believe art is for. That's what art has been meant to do. That's what art has meant to do, you know, for for a long time. So I, I think it's really 
important to have someone who is um, who is who has been othered, who has been the only one in these establishments and has been able to continue to flourish, you know. Um, so that's been as far as the community outreach and as far as the diversity is how can we get um, how can we retain dancers? How can we recruit dancers of color or or artists of color? And think about um, artists who create work, uh, different ways to engage audiences. Who is our audience? Actually, that's the question that I was sort of always asking when I started. Who is the audience? What are, where's the data? Mm-hmm. You know, because you can look in the audience and say, I see, we can see who the audience is. But at the same time, I think there's even more um I thought that it was even more that we could have done that we that we did end up doing, which was great. And it went beyond just being um, how can we get more BIPOC people? How can we get more people um, who are, as I say, handicapable or children or whatever? So the diversity is also just to be an agent to um, try to um, safeguard Mm -hmm. (laughs) That action, once we get those people, once we get more people of color or whomever into the theater, how can we make sure that the the environment is a safe place for them to flourish also? So, yeah, big job, big, big job for one person. Do you have like a, a prime example of a performance or an event that you did that really brought in a different audience than usual? Yeah, the major... Um, one one great thing that I that I, I feel really happy that worked was um, our new format of community outreach called Tansna, mm-hmm. and um, we had nine episodes last season, and we were able to go to um, different kitas. We were able to engage with the university sports student studierende, um, and. Uh, we're also able to work with um, Democrats abroad. We were able to go to the Queer Strife and Film Festival. So lots of different um, different demographics that we were able to engage with. And the interesting thing with these events was I didn't know what was going to happen. We had never done it before. I didn't know if people were going to show up. I didn't know if people were really going to engage in the programming itself, like how they would engage. And it was really um, eye-opening, I think, to a lot of Germans, you know, that this idea of community outreach is something that they actually want, but they don't know what it looks like. And so to experience it was really, really eye opening, especially when you get um, uh, different groups and you see how they clash, how they clash in a beautiful way. You know, it's beautiful sort of clashing that was really especially intergenerational um, uh, uh, exchanges. This was really beautiful to see. Yeah. So the technique wasn't to get people into the theater but it was for you to go out and get the people that was the that was the major thing we really wanted to not only bring people in Mm -hmm. you know just like an open rehearsal but also go into different spaces because that's the thing with the idea of of culture so far culture has been thought of you know these things this thing of something being high art um or classic or something like Mm -hmm. this and and to redefine that is a huge um, uh, undertaking for for us. We have to start to think of 
art not as in high or lowbrow, but as in arts vibrancy. I believe we talked about this in, in our master studies because that in itself is huge because then you start to realize that there are other art forms, other cultural, other cultural um, forms of expression that are just as valid. You know, perhaps you're an indigenous person and you um, your your forte is weaving. Mm-hmm. You know that in itself is 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 huge. I mean, I know we have many museums that show this, but you know it's 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 thought of in a different way when you, when we think of culture laterally as opposed to you know sort of vertical or this hierarchy mm-hmm. that everything is vibrant because everything tells a story about who we are as human beings. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. That was a long answer. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's a good point to storytelling. Uh, Monique, I would like to quote your LinkedIn profile. (laughs) (laughs) I utilize the relationship with contemporary dance in order to make theater that impacts the audience, tells a story, and builds an emotive atmosphere. With your latest piece, In the Black, did you have... um, a specific audience in mind or uh, did it all just come because you needed to speak? I mean, they're kind of like uh, independent from each other, but the question is more towards the audience. In the end, I think there was like, no, in the beginning, there was probably no clear audience. Mm -hmm. It was very much like, okay, this is going to be shown in Europe. Clearly the majority is going to be a white audience. Um, But I also want that, whatever person walks in there can identify somehow with the topics that are inside and that it's very human. Um, That for me was like maybe the most essential point that it doesn't matter if you're white, black, uh, disabled, um, trans, gay, like somehow all the themes that are inside there, I think any minority group would really experience in some shape or form and can really relate to the emotional journey of it, even if the topic is not relevant to them in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, my additional goal was somehow to make something that's not like placing blame. Mm. Um, also knowing that it's going to be a majority white audience. Mm-hmm. Um, that blame is really not the function of it, but that it's more about really witnessing this human in some kind of emotional like actually there's many layers there's like an emotional um like gentle existence somehow like this person acknowledges themselves sees themselves and um also loves and um believes who they are in that moment and you also watch how this is like destructed and destroyed and um in a very like Minimal, minimal yet sinister way, but also how they rebuild themselves back up and how there becomes this like pride and um, a glowing acceptance. It's not anymore this like gentle humbleness of culture, but it becomes this like acceptance of this is who I am and this is what I stand for. And yes, you're going to try many things that will tear me down, but in the end, I'm always going to be this person that's been through this journey and stands on the backs of so many other people that came before me. And um, it's not anymore about what you say to me, but it's about what I hold within me and what I was taught, like um, the beauty of what I was taught as a kid. Um, 
there's like a lot of, um, in my research, I did a questionnaire and um, the questionnaire was mainly geared towards black people um, within Europe, although I did have like some friends from America also answering. And that for me, regardless if they were sitting in the audience or not, had to be represented what came out in the questionnaire. And there were very many layers in the questionnaire that I think had to be like true also in the piece from a lot of pain, mm-hmm. um, a lot of really um, traumatizing stories actually of what people experienced as like young kids to also this like glorifying golden like pride of culture that came also in the questionnaire of people like a lot of the answers for example were I asked the question of like what when you uh, think of blackness what do you think of and a lot of people said beauty Mm. and I was like okay like I think that was like most of the time the first answer and I was like okay (laughs) 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 clearly that has to be there yeah Yeah. and it was like I I, I would be interested if I had asked the same questionnaire then to another group of people how Mm -hmm. they would respond Um, but very much yeah there was like very many layers um that varied from so many different ends of the spectrum that had to be represented. And then, um, yeah, that was also significant, like, um, in some of the feedback, then asking people, um, like, uh, other black and brown people how they felt about it, and then um, also hearing that actually everything you talked about or that was there, I can 100% relate to. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you mean by saying you always have to smile and... Mm. Um, there were like a lot of things like, yeah, if I don't smile, I'm going to be like portrayed as something else. And yeah, I wanted to scream, but not being able to scream loud enough and things like this. So, um, yeah, that was maybe my, um, I don't know how to say it, like my, the audience that I was aiming for while trying to also put it in front of an audience that um, yeah doesn't relate so uh, on the first degree to the topic. And wow and like the lion king and card that is a big difference did yes. you <laughs> what what were some of the uh i, I don't want to say comparisons but experiences that you made at card that you would like to see more in uh institution mm-hmm. institutions I mean, the two are also very different in one is musical theater mm-hmm. and then one is kind of going into the arts contemporary world um I think there's like, it's always hard in musical theatre for every person to have their individuality and their creativity. There's ways you can explore it, that's true. Um, but you have to always just explore it within the formed box. Yeah. Um, whereas Kajrai, there's like, yes, there are some limitations. They're also somewhat an institution, actually. Mm-hmm. So there's like also what they need to put out. Yeah. But there was, in this case, I had a lot of freedom to kind of run with what I wanted to do. And um, the the stamp on creativity didn't really, like, stop anywhere. And, um, there was always, like, posed questions that gently arrived in the room that allowed space to think of, like, okay, am I going this direction or this direction? Um, but, yeah, there was always an open space of, like, me doing me. Um yeah, in, in many other forms, and I'm very much doing what is necessary for selling a ticket. <laughs> to put it in the most uh, yeah, yeah. Um, simplest way, you mm-hmm. know, it's like very much about selling as many tickets as possible. Um, yes, there's a beauty in the 
textures underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of that beauty is missed by the audience mm-hmm. because in the end, it's about the glamour of the performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, Lion King in itself in general is a story with many like layers and life lessons and... Um, it's already a unique theater piece in itself. Um, but yeah, when I'm on stage, um, movement-wise, I'm feeling in the box. Maybe energy-wise, I'm doing my Monique thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my Monique thing, I love that. Um, yeah, oh. but I mean, in general, no matter what I'm doing, I think for me, art is always about like expressing. So um, <laughs> whether they like it or not, they also get it at Lion King and at Kadrai. <laughs> I find it, sorry, I wanted to say, I find it really beautiful that you're, what you were saying at the beginning, um, like how your your goal was to create something where everyone could relate to it, because I think that's the, the beauty of, you know, that we're just human, yeah. um, and that even though, like, I'm not so foreign just because I have black skin, just yeah. because my skin is a certain color, you yeah. know, we did a piece called Vild. Um, and it's about a 10-year-old boy with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And um, the actors were a little, like, I, you know, we're a little nervous about doing this piece because n- none of us know the experience of, of living with ADHD. Um, but in the story there, it's really about the, 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 the sister, you know, and, and thinking of, like, what sort of experiences can we relate to? And so we do understand what it means to feel like we're othered or mm-hmm. we are we're misunderstood. And so it's like if we can go in with these ideas of like how, how what can we relate with with our feelings and our emotions, that in itself kind of then connects and makes it feel yeah. a little bit more authentic where you're not trying to impose or trying to to be an imposter with with I don't know. I I just found that really, really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, like, no matter where you're from or no matter how you're kind of existing, I think the most human thing we have is human emotion. Yeah. And how we express it is very similar. Maybe the output looks different, mm-hmm. um, but the expression expression of it or the um, journey of it is very similar. And then um, I think playing on this layer allows a lot of people in, mm-hmm. but it allows a lot of people in on their own personal experience. Yeah. That's one way to get butts in seats. <laughs> yeah, <I think. laughs> yeah. Well, keyword a human. Mm-hmm. Now it's your turn. Tr- your yeah. turn to be quoted from your website. Ah. <laughs> On a deeply human level, art is the universal mother tongue that unifies different cultures of the world. Protecting this international language is essential to protecting our humanity. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that, and then it said Kulturgesetz 2022. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I remember uh, this. But you know, <laughs> no, for sure. You you identified with this mm-hmm. this sentence. Uh, saying that, you are also starting a new step in your life. Uh, which step would that be? And <laughs> how how does this quote uh, represent that, or how are you identify with it now, moving on? Yeah, moving on, finally retiring from the stage after 20 years of dancing. And it's uh, I'm really excited because I'm really ready to, in this marathon, pass on the baton to the next generation mm-hmm. because I think that um, uh, the information or the experiences that I've been uh, afforded are... I have to pass that on. You know, it's really, really rich information, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, working with lines, it was really, really, like huge turning point for me because 
I started to realize that art is bigger than um, the form and bigger than me as an artist within that form. Um, so that's I've sort of, I, if I dare say, I'm sort of answering the call mm-hmm. you know, to continue that and to to pass that on because representation does matter. And me being me being at the front of the room, um, never thought of the power of that, but now I'm starting to realize that and to try to be even more aware and and to cultivate, you know, good citizens of the world, not just good dancers. Um, and so I'm moving to moving back to the U.S. Uh, to take on the position of rehearsal director and community liaison with um, Ballet X Contemporary Ballet Company in Philadelphia. Uh, and yeah, I'm really, really excited to, as I say, pass more information on and to help the company um, fulfill its dreams for whatever um, whatever goals they may have and to also um, use my network um, globally, I guess I can say now, um, to help, you know, diverse voices uh, find a, a, an environment where they can really, really express and go deep in what they what they want to say and what needs to be said. You know, what how we can reflect um, what's going on in the world mm-hmm. and how we might be able to f- to uh, offer perhaps solutions or options. I think that's that's something. Or we reflect on who we are and then we find our own solutions and options personally. Whatever that might mean, um, I'm, I'm there for it. I really, I, I, I'm really excited for it. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited f- to, to be back in the States. Um, crazy to say that, but I am. Um, to be back in the American culture. I've, I'm moving back because I feel like I... I I need to I need to be around more black people. Yeah. Bluntly, yeah. bluntly put, I need to be more around black people because I, I feel like I need to I need to recover, especially mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the experience um, of the pandemic and also George Floyd's murder and many other murders um, that have taken place and just what that is all like. I it's been many years of being that ambassador, and I mean one can only. I mean, I have my experience, but when you're around others and that level, that sort of level of knowing, then you're able to relate and you're able to um, unpack all of the feelings that you have or all of the misunderstandings that you may have or the contradictions that are that are that are bubbling inside all the time. And so I, I'm, I'm that's what I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to leave um, Germany because uh, I have developed really wonderful working and personal relationships with a lot of wonderful people. Um, and so this has been the, the hardest goodbye. You know, we dancers, we're, we're transient. We are always moving, usually moving from place to place. And so it's like, yeah, I'll see you later. And so I, that's what I'm trying to keep telling my friends and coworkers also said, no, we'll see each other. Hopefully, you know, I'll be back perhaps. (laughs) I mean, but now I need to, you know, like sort of reclaim my time, reclaim my whatever is needed Mm -hmm. to, to sort of, um, to continue this work because it's a lot of work. It's daunting, um, but it's also really exciting because I think the next generation has a lot of ideas mm-hmm. um, and to help sort of um, facilitate that and to, to challenge those ideas so that they are really bright when they, when they finally do come out. I'm, I'm very excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I'm excited for that too. I'm like, where are we going to read about you? Yeah. 
well, I think this is great. One more question for for the future. Now that you had this beautiful taste of Kadrai and experiencing uh, of creating your own art form on your terms, what, do do we? Are you interested in creating more? Was this uh, too much of a responsibility, especially representing so many people? What what is happening with the Monique thing? That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> um, no, it definitely wasn't a too big a responsibility. It was like very much from my heart and from my own life. No, it was just like speaking out my truth kind mm -hmm. of loud for everyone to hear it. And in that way, I completely own it. Um, and I can only say that, yes, I will be trying to put more art mm -hmm. out there. Um, I can only do as much as receptive it is, yeah. I guess, or as, as much as the receptivity is. Um, but no, I definitely um, want to keep building art. I don't know if the subject topic is always going to be my blackness. Yeah. I would also like to be a black artist that makes art about art. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> which is also, I guess, like a kind of, yeah, it's also a slight battle, I guess, in that mm -hmm. sense. Like, very clearly, I'm going to often be funded for making art that talks about blackness and educates people on blackness. Um, and maybe not always what my other voice wants to say. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm definitely going to try and push to do that. And, and I mean, always in my work at the moment, um, Audio description has become quite a part of um, my creative process and making theatre accessible um, in the capacity that I can has also become quite a big part of my process. And I think that in itself um, is maybe going to take a life of its own um, and also in its performance um, because it's very much for me another performance layer and not an additional mm -hmm. extra that's put on top. Sounds amazing. <laughs> it's really, really great. Well, I think thank you so much for being here. I'm like, I'm I'm Zat. <laughs> for sure. It's been so inspiring and just hearing uh, the things that you've done and are going to do and just your point of view. Uh, really grateful and thankful that you took the time, especially because you're flying out really soon. And Monique, because I know the schedules from The Lion King is uh, extremely <laughs> time consuming. <laughs> uh, so yes, thank you so much. Unless there is something that, that you'd also like to share. Thank you oh. for, I, I want to say, uh, sorry, I have to jump in. I want to say thank you for, for doing this. I think this is going to be great. And um, I, going to definitely like you know put that out on my social media platforms but also to meet you and this is always so wonderful when when we come together and we talk about these things i mean the discussion itself these discussions need to happen and with those discussions we build our network and i can't yeah. wait to reach out <laughs> to you <laughs> and hopefully see what might happen because you know we're we family now so <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you yeah, and I'm also just going to add to the thank you and also that, um, yeah, Germany is not an easy place, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy place at all. And um, the more people I meet that maybe share a similar journey to me, the more it's becoming a bit more like home mm -hmm. and feeling a bit more like home. And I can kind of sit in it comfortably. I mean, London's not so far away, yeah. you know, and yet the worlds are very far apart. Mm. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, I appreciate that this is kind of taking place and that there is this space of open discussions happening um, in a country where you could be in the wrong part of it and um, be very much on the other end of it. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm also saying thank you that we are here and that I also get to meet some <laughs> other cool artists that are working in Germany and maybe leaving Germany but still connected to Germany. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> exactly. yeah it's been great. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening and tune into our next episode of For more information, visit our social media pages, Representants underscore lab. The content on this podcast has been verified to the best of our abilities. We cannot guarantee that there are no mistakes or errors. We sadly acknowledge that at the moment we have no representation of a person with disabilities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as legal or medical advice. 